Good morning and welcome. You've reached the Dallas-Fort Worth Leader Online Ministry Fellowship. This is your host, Dr. Tavo D'Arcy, overseeing pastor, servant leader, and also of the IFFM, and author of a number of books which we would request prayer for at this time to finish our publications. We have many to get ready and uh, servant leadership equipping, so we appreciate that prayer right now for that. And also for my mother, who is 90 and is ready to go home to be with the Lord and see my father who's already up there and her relatives, her mom. So just lift this part up as we continue on. That's why we're mostly behind the scenes, not out in front of the camera, because we're at different places at different times. But the we've already reached uh, part three of our Job study, God Speaks Once, God Speaks Twice. I went into great depths on that in chapters 1, video 1 and video 2. So today I'm going to put on some finishing touches. The Lord reminded me I didn't talk about how we get the different types of biblical wisdom that you could find scriptures to support. And the Bible teaches us in James 1, 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, if you any of you lack wisdom, just ask of God and He will freely give it to you. It won't upbraid you. It won't have to pay any money for it. Just ask for it free unless you're too... You know, unless you're too spiritual, you know it all. So let's go before the Lord and invite Him to pray, uh, help us with this time. Lord, we just love You. We give You praise. Lord, we thank You for the, the ability to perceive and discern what You really want us to know clearly in our knower. Lord, let us know what is on Your heart. Help us have Your energy, Your anointing, Your power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us know about Your Son, instruction from our knowledge of Him knowledge of him and with him through him as paul said in ephesians 1:17 that wisdom that he prayed for that that revelation knowledge that would come supernaturally from the throne of god in our knowledge of him not just about him we thank you father in the name of jesus amen all right well let me just refresh our job scripture we started with part b of job 33 Let's see, where is it? Job 33, 12. And it says that God is greater than man. Why dost thou strive against him? For he does not account of any of his matters. And we determined that meant that Job was in his time of great hell on earth, his trials, his loss, his tragedy, tragedies. His wife had left him. His children had, been, had died. Suddenly, all of them, I think there were ten, he lost everything. He's now covered with boils. And his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he wouldn't. And he said, even though you slay me, I will trust you. And that's the kind of God that Job knew about in his deepest part. And he knew that all this other part, this outer court would be passing. All this suffering would soon come to an end that one day he'd be accountable for the Lord. And that's what really mattered, that eternal perspective. So there was a season that even after all that, Job had to endure all these, what they call the Job's comforters, three friends who would come around and try to commiserate with him, but make him feel worse instead of better. And that sounds like part of life. Many times when you're going through something, people are too dull and not perceptive, even family, to really understand what it is, or maybe they have no more empathy or compassion left, they're compassion fatigued. So we want to make sure we're not like that in ministry. 
So by the time we get to Job 33, we've been through a lot in the book of Job, and we won't go there, but Job has boiled it down to this. He says, God is greater than man, point blank, greater than any person, male or female. It says, why bother? Why would I even want to bother striving against him, for he gives not account of any of his matters to me? That's what it implies. That means God has more, he knows more than I do. Why should I question him? For God speaks once, it says, God speaks twice, yet man perceives it not. So there is God nudging, trying to get us in our spirit to discern him, to detect him, to perceive him, to understand what it means, to know enough about him after asking Jesus into our heart to perceive him, to have the balance of Bible and fellowship along with that Bible study. And then to know that we're not to be all-knowing, that nobody will ever know it all. God will give grace for some to have look like. It'll look like they have a lot of knowledge. It'll look like we can have a lot of ideas, interesting things, wisdom from the Lord that's even supernatural, gifts, laying on of hands, good teaching. It looks like you've got a lot, maybe, if, but it's all grace-given. That's the whole thing. And see, God is not looking to compete and compare and contrast like a natural parent might or a natural human would evaluate but God is bigger than that he sees you uniquely as you are his only child and that yet he has billions of other interesting only children which he loves as much and he's trying to get our attention and he's not just like one size fits all God because he loves you he made you in Psalm 139 in your mother's womb knitted you together uniquely and that's the kind of God we serve. That's the God, the God we want to advertise in our ministry. And that's why we put up even a little, I'll put my plug in. We put up a, a advocating on our website, many of our websites. We put real respect. We need to really respect the office of every living human being made in God's image according to Psalm 139. So Job says God speaks once. He speaks twice. But we don't always hear it. Maybe we're just too intelligent. Maybe we're just too unbelieving. Maybe we're just too dull and imperceptive. But God is speaking, and it says in verse 15, sometimes he'll speak in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumber, slumberings upon their bed. All right? Because it says why this can happen. Why dreams? Why certain dreams? Not every one. And we talked about needing to discern fruit of dreams, of any kind of voice, of any kind of vision, of any kind of idea, recurring thought. You need to discern it by James 3.17, fruit in ministry and in lay life, as well as James, excuse me, as in 2 Timothy 2.17, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But I'm not going to go into that. I don't have time. But that's on, I think it's chapter 2, video 2 where I get into that discerning between the voices because the vo there are many voices in the world Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 14 and each one has significance so you want to go in very carefully and weed out and detect what voice is really from the Lord according to James 3.17 according to 2 Timothy 1.7 then get fellowship, people that you can bounce stuff off with people who are real life people, not just a spooky voice because that's a subjective Subjective, subjective field and if you're not careful you can go off the deep end 
Yet Job mentions, he said, there is a principle, there is a fact that there is a God who's out there. The Bible calls him the God who is there. He's been named the God who is there. Isn't that amazing? All right, and he's always trying. He'll try to communicate once or twice, and sometimes you'll get it, and sometimes you won't. And that means all of us, mature or not. And then it says God will even resort to dreams, visions in the night when deep sleep falls upon people when they're slumbering in their bed. And verse, verse 16 says, why? He tells the reasons why he uses that method. Because, he says, he opens, Job writes, that God opens the ears of men and women and seals their instruction that he, that's God, may withdraw man, that means the person, from his purpose and hide pride from man. To boil it down, that means that God will put us, let us sleep, and then he'll send something to communicate because we're not working so hard that we block him, that our natural pride, the spirit of pride, which is Levitical, excuse me, which is over the Leviathan of Job 41, you can read the description of pride, the many ins and outs of the snooty snake of superior pride, which is in all of us, the human condition prior to Jesus Christ coming, redeeming us a little bit here, a little bit there, and we all need time to grow because we'll never be complete till we go to heaven, but we can work on it. He can work on us. So look through that because it's a sneaky snake, has many facets, many ways of displaying itself, and its nature is hard to discern. So Job 41 is a great analogy, the Leviathan sneaky snake of pride. So it says that when you have dreams or visions, you don't want to be ignorant. You don't want to be foolish and make a mistake of being afraid. I, t I said, on, and I'll repeat this because it's very valuable. If you do feel something that you don't know anybody or you get a weird dream or nightmare, then you put the blood of Jesus over it and you go talk to somebody, get prayer for it. But also it's a really a, usually a sign. It's a sign to pray against it, pray it off. And then make sure that you get, because if it has this fruit of fear, it's not from the Lord. It may be sober, which is, you know, the holy fear of the Lord. It may be a sober thing, so that's when you need to put the blood of Jesus over it. Go get prayer protection, get more people to pray. If you are, uh, if you have a minister you can get into contact with, or a board member, somebody that's your advisor, then I would suggest you do that too. But not be spooked out. That's the whole thing. God has not given us, this is the whole reason for this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Isn't that wonderful? That's part of wisdom. <clears throat> so Job says he opens the ears of people and seals their instructions so that he can withdraw his purpose, that he can draw man from his purpose. Every person who's got a purpose out there working hard, going to work, doing all the business, even if it's ministry, cooking the supper, dealing with the children, whatever it would be, you got all this stuff that will distract you you can't hear because you're so busy your life is cluttered which is just normal nothing sinful about that but it's harder to hear God when you stay so active harder to discern and perceive his still small voice the inward witness of the Holy Spirit which is illustrated in 1st Kings 19:9, when the prophet Elijah had been out with all the false prophets of Baal had had to outrun the chariots of Queen Isabel and Queen Jezebel and King Ahab, he was physically depleted, 
and he was exhausted and he had done all he could in the service of the Lord on the front lines of warfare, but he went to the cave. God gave him a prophetic cave, we call it, and he lodged there until he could get back, get back to more normal, then he could perceive God again more clearly. So when you're in that halt position, we always say the halt position is what 12-step groups use, the hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Please don't expect to hear God like you normally do as well, and really try to keep from putting off big decisions, important, extremely important life you know, decisions, because you are you just know yourself that's part of the turf don't let yourself get there but if you have find yourself there because you can get that way easily sometimes then you go to the Lord and say Lord I just you know I'm not sure which voice is yours which voice is mine which voice is self-talk other talk what's fear and postpone making huge decisions as best you can go by the go to the Lord day by day this is a day by day no pressure to perform, no need to be perfect. Just relax, take off, give God some time, try to hear from the Lord. And like I said, it, it won't be normal, but it can be natural. Just be natural. One of our main bones to pick with certain groups, ministry groups, is the fruit we meet out in the seats are spooky, too spooky. Uh, into other people's business, not love, clannish, not loving or open, don't have the joy of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus Christ in Hebrews 1, 9 was the major prophet of all prophets, the New Testament kind of prophet, the New Testament apostle, and he modeled joy, real joy. It says that in Hebrews 1, 9, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows more than anybody else's face shone with the countenance of the glory of God and the joy of the Lord which is his strength at, in a ministry as a minister and it said because Jesus Christ hated iniquity he didn't hate sinners he hated the, the product of sin the iniquity that hurt people and killed people and, and made people suffer little babies get abused and all these things but he also loved what was righteous. And we need to ask, do we love, do I love what is really righteous? But then, because that's a borderline word to so many, we want to say, but we don't mean being self-righteous. We don't mean that, oh, I've got it, nobody else has it like me. That would be pride. So that's why we need to let God speak to us, sift us, and then do our own personal inner work. And it takes time. Spring cleaning, clean house. So Job says in Job 33 that he opens the ears of men. He opens their perceptive qualities. He opens their perceiver, discerner, and their knower in their heart of hearts so they can get an impression, get the idea that it really is God speaking. And then in New Testament days, now we have God's Word, the Holy Bible, which we need to go online, get a translation we like, and then test out to see, yeah, is it really going to witness what God has said in the New Testament? Does this word, this dream, this nightmare, this fear line up with what God says in the Bible? And if it does, if you still need a second affirmation, confirmation, then go get it, two or three more. Because the Bible teaches there is safety in a number of counselors. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But we also want to know that God is trying to mature us. That I'm talking to ministry a lot, senior ministers, mostly or ones who are mature, whether you have a title or an office or not, it doesn't matter. You just want to hear God. 
So we're just giving some basic equipping that you can be a noble Berean and sift through. We're presenting it as sila form in James 3.17, respectful fashion, so that you can pick out any hay from errant stubble. Keep what's hay throughout the stubble. Then ask God for more revelation to add, and then you can use, use it to train and equip many people. So we have the picture of Job being a follower. Being, yep, I'm just passing through. It's pretty bad, but I'm not giving up on God. I'm not going to call him names. I'm not going to, you know, be weak. I'm going to trust because even if he slays me, I know it's more important that I hang on tight to him than anything of this worldly day that's passing. And that's a wisdom for us all. And I'll close, I won't close, but I'll close this passage where it says, verse 17, so all this is going on in the nighttime, certain nights, that he may, he, and he does it in the night when he speaks once or twice, because he withdraws man, the person, from his purpose, from all the hard work and cares and duties, real life things, and he hides pride from man. What is the fruit of pride? Job 41 but also worry, fear, blocking it out with human reasoning, rationally, you know, rationalization, self-talk, accusation, judgment, all these things, which are unbelief, really doubt. It's about doubt and unbelief. So now let's go to the next part, and we're going to talk about how to get wisdom, the different kinds of supernatural wisdom in the Bible. And we teach from a non-Levitical point of view. We believe, I believe, that the Bible in the Old Testament, now that Jesus Christ has come to fulfill the law, is there with many great principles, foundationals, leadership role models. Some are not role models. Uh, but there, it's just the plan of God unfolded for a certain dispensation in time to work His way mysteriously, without knowing exactly why, but because of the fall, which was the fall, where everything was organic and peaceful and shalom, happy families, harmony all the time, and then the choices, the real-life choices, allowed the sin nature to come, the fallen nature. Therefore, the disease of sin infected every heart, some worse than others, and that God had to set up a plan of sacrifices, of limitations to keep boundaries from people to slaughter each other and having the human race completely wiped out. So he made the law, the, law, the Torah, gave the Ten Commandments, which were well-intentioned because Moses had been up with to the mountain of God in Exodus to get the Ten Commandments, and he didn't come back looking mean and angry as a snake. He'd been with the Father. His face was reported as having been transformed with God's goodness, His glory, His power, His might. However, when he came down and he saw the choices, the poor choices that the Israelite his, his people that were following him, his chosen to lead, had cho chosen to do. He did lose his cool because he was human. He was brought back with an earthly shock. Think, oh my, I've, you know, he just lost it, which was part of his frailty of humanity, which is why we all need God. So we have the New Testament come along, where after all these we many years, many hundreds of years that the children of Israel were there, and you could read the prophets, and all the prophets gave the word of the Lord and inquired of the Lord and gave it to the king. They gave it to the priests because no one could ask Jesus into their heart back then. There was no Messiah sent. 
There was no way of saying, I can be born again. So they had to wait on the word of the Lord through the prophet to get the word of the Lord. And many times those prophets were depicted as like angry and dark and brooding and, you know, causing great, you know, bringing down judgment on the nation. So we have to be careful now that we don't misconstrue all the prophetic works of preachers today and ministers today, lay and people who say they're a prophet, and then apply it to Jesus as well, because in Hebrews 1, 2, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says that there are two ways that God spoke through his prophets. In the old days, the Old Testament used diverse manners of the prophets of that day, right? The genuine prophets, Obadiah, Noah, Moses, Daniel, Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these different ones. Too many to, to you know, put them all out there today. However, in verse 2 of Hebrews 1, it says that nowadays we look at the view of the office of the prophet, the one who has the oracle, one who's the mouthpiece of the Lord, who goes and inquires of the Lord for others, even many others, even a few others, as the role model after Jesus Christ. And we have to look and see how did Jesus Christ act, the Messiah, how did he act in the Gospels? Was he spooky? Was he standoffish? Was he unloving? Was he hoity-toity and elite? Was he proud? Was he calling down, was he calling, you know, speaking evil toward the sinner, accusing them of creating national judgment? No. In fact, everywhere in both the Old and New Testament, the Bible says that the responsibility, God holds his people, the leaders of his people, accountable. Because it says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. That's 2 Chronicles 7.14. And we want to know, is our land healed right now? Then I guess it's uh, the ball is in our court, men and women. The second part in Peter, it says that let judgment, we are to let judgment begin at the house of God. That means in the houses of God. Those who say we are professing believers born again. So there's a difference in, in perspective and doctrine in certain groups and ministers. I deal with many ministers and groups since I was young. And my father was a Baptist pastor, Southern Baptist, and yet he was not bigoted or you know into the, his denomination more than Jesus. But I've also dealt with African-American uh, spirit-filled tongue talkers, non-tongue talkers, Vietnamese, servant leadership, non-servant leaderships, you name it. And I've been around a long time. So we just enjoy Christ's body. We enjoy seeing what the missionary Baptists may be doing in their worship. And we enjoy the prophetic and all the different kinds that fall under that, the spirit of prophecy. And we enjoy the ones who plant churches and works. And we look to them as role models many times. We love the ministers on television, many of them. We do a lot of things which we have enjoyed from grassroots perspective, which now we teach on. We now think, well, it's the doctrines. Spiritual doctrines, the framework of everybody's life, spiritual doctrines make the world go round in a certain sense. Either it can spin out religion, spit it out a, a big system, or it can be based on relationship in the fear of the Lord and can produce love, the fruit that is found in Ephesians 4 and genuine servant leadership with many people now able to discern and perceive the real organic Christ and know what fellowshipping of the saints was intended to be, enlarging God's family, 
with all the many colors and races and styles. And then they'll say, you know what, I like that. I need a family. I want to be a part of the family of God. I just don't like religion. I don't like people who accuse me. I don't like people who think they're, that I'm not good enough to be in their group. I don't like people who've got a bias against my type or my skin color or that I'm not a scholar and they are. So there are a lot of things that only we, and you know, let judgment, let, let self-judgment. Let self-judgment begin at the house of God, not self-accusation. In fact, over back on the 1st of February, the first week in February on perceivermadness.org, perceivermadness.org, you can look at one of our little Sela thoughts about what's the difference in self-evaluation, and it goes down certain realms uh, such as self-flagellation. What's the difference between that? Overly introspective, spooky, spiritual, and stuff like that, but it's for for fun, but it's serious, thought-provoking realism. So we can look in the New Testament now at the, at the prophet, the office of the prophet, the office of all fivefold ministry leaders in their lampstand would be Jesus Christ, none other. And he bore the fruit that was also found when he was prophesied back in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. It was prophesied about the Christ, that when he came, the Messiah, that he would have all seven spirits of his father, the flaming, mysterious, flickering spirits in his lampstand, the lampstand who would birth all other significant lampstands for around the world. All right, and you can read the seven spirits in Isaiah 11:2, but we're going to go to the next part, verse 3. It says that same amazing, powerful, Holy Spirit-filled Christ, Messiah, it said he would be sharp in discernment, in the fear of the Lord, yet he would not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor make decisions based on what he heard. He would not resemble an accuser, an unrighteous judge. He wouldn't tolerate gossip or backbiting, even from his leaders. He was a man who had the fear of the Lord, a God-man. And so that's what we want to do, is honor people like that and restore this to the houses, each house of the living God. You know, the uh, song years ago when I was in high school, it said, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And I thought, that is the word. If there's going to be a cease from war, a cease from backbiting, a cease from a lot of trouble that we bring on ourselves in this nation, accusation, let it begin with me and you. Yet there is such a lack of discernment and so much fault finding that people cannot understand in these days in ministry, certain leaders, not all. Thankfully, not all, because many are loving, genuine, true, but there is a whole new group, a subculture, that cannot tell, because there is no fear of the Lord, they cannot tell the difference between contending for the faith in Jude, in, as in Jude, that we are to contend for, contend for the faith, even show zeal for our Father's house, like Jesus, but they can't tell between that and condemnation, and criticism, and that's what's this wandering soul, this human has discovered on her journey with the Lord, the grassroots, and man, let's get some doctrine teaching going. So we want wisdom so we're not hoodwinked. We want to know that the fear, where does wisdom begin? God's wisdom in the Bible, it teaches us in Proverbs 1, 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The real wisdom that's going to be from God is if you choose to let yourself have and go for the fear of the Lord and hang around with those who've got it.
because it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Therefore, what would be the opposite? If there is no fear of the Lord, if it's minus the fear of the Lord, it would be the beginning of what? Foolishness. And that's what's in our nation. We don't want it in our leadership. All right. You see the picture today? We have this same picture of the prison house of life, of circumstances, of not knowing your identity, your fulfillment of your call. And we see on the left the keys of the kingdom, Matthew 16, 19. He gives you. He'll give you the key of the kingdom, that whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And we want to say in this ministry, Lord, what is the key? What is the secret? Daniel called God the revealer of secrets. Lord, you are the revealer of secrets. It helped him navigate in the Babylonian kingdom of kingdom, King Nebuchadnezzar. I already mentioned that before on the, other top, on the other films. But we want to say, well, Lord, if you could help Daniel get out of all the traps that were laid for him by the enemy, the snares, if you could help Joseph get out of traps, if you could help all these people, you can help me get out of my life situation, problems, relationship issue personal turmoil, whatever it would be, Lord, what is your key? And so we say, well, if any of you, like James, the brother of the natural brother, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, who is the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem, probably soft-spoken and even keel, because that's what it took to navigate those waters and that hardwired for trouble, uh, spiritual warfare region of, of Jerusalem, he said about the tongue, but he also said in James 1, 5, it says, If any of you, when any of you, if ever any of you lack wisdom, then just ask and God will freely give. However, you need to believe that God will give it to you or else you, he will not. Because you'll just be like a, you'll just be like a wave with full of, a sea full of waves. I'm going to read it precisely. That was my paraphrase. So let's go to James 1.5 officially, so you can write this down. It says, the it is written says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him or her ask of God that gives to all people liberally, freely, and upbraids not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he or she that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that person think that he or she shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. So God will look at you and say they're childish, they're, un you know, they're immature, they're unstable. I can't really trust them with this concrete real wisdom. They just throw it away. They'd, it'd be like casting pearls before swine. I don't know. But maybe it would be they just wouldn't get it. They don't really want it. They're not in this for the seriousness. They're just game playing, even in ministry. So you want to go and research your heart first before you go to God to ask for wisdom. Also, we want to say that in wisdom in the New Testament, it's going to have to have a primal starting point, a primary point, and that is going to be in the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. But then inside, on, in your heart, mind, and soul, to seek after the Lord more than you would for finances. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. If you have a need for scripture that backs up, that tells a person how to teach on the fear of the Lord, where to get it, what will cause it to happen, 
or if you are a person out there but you know with the Lord and an individual that is a great learning passage Proverbs 2 1 through Proverbs 2 1 through 5 about the fear of the Lord how to jump start it how to get it back if you don't have it and it guess what it says and this is my synopsis it says if you'll cry out to the Lord for his supernatural wisdom and seek as hard for his wisdom as you would go after silver or gold that means making money earning your income then you'll find the fear of the Lord then you'll find honor and riches besides but you're not doing it for the honor and riches let me say that no 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 you are going for the Lord and his supernatural wisdom that is the only thing that will pay that will keep you and sustain you in the hardest places and this brings me to my topic my subject of this part three it's about the many kinds of God's wisdom well first you have to believe in God that he wants to give you some free you have to have that humility the holy fear of the Lord you have to have integrity you have to have faith that he really is going to give you some if you ask and not be cast around like a wave of the sea like James says and then it says this you know the, the story of Jesus the Messiah he came he died he paid the price for our sin he said if you follow after me you know I'll make you fishers of men but he also said this he said in John 4:24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit inside but also in truth that means on the outside doing the natural things according to the Bible the work of the Lord that he tells you to do and wants you to do without overdoing it without becoming perfect but without underdoing it or ignoring it so there's a condition the Spirit of God the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is a spirit the Holy Spirit and that Jesus Christ the Messiah we invite him into our hearts he leaves a deposit he forgives our sins which also cleanses our heart mind and souls so that we can perceive him better the reality of him and it says in that then that after we do so then we don't just sit around and do nothing we don't just think oh yeah now I'm gonna earn learn it by osmosis I'll get out YouTube and I'll flick on the TV channel and see what brother Osteen's doing over there or somebody else so you or you don't just sit there and think well I will make it up as a, you know I'll just hear God and I don't have to ask anybody anything I don't have to do anything I don't want to do I don't have to read any Bible I don't have to be as responsible because all I've done is d done what God asked the bottom line minimum requirement and that's asking I've invited Jesus into our heart and now I don't have to do anything more I've got my fire insurance plan well if you want to stay that way if you want to be born again or choose not to that's your choice but you know what I don't want to be a I don't want to have no fear of the Lord I don't want to miss all the amazing things that God has planned in for my life down here on earth I don't want to not miss if I'm called to ministry I don't want to miss and get a sidetrack because I didn't know enough Bible teaches my people my people perish for lack of knowledge and knowledge is free yet it has a cost you do pay a cost you have long suffering you go through fires you go through all sorts of things but the idea is that you know your God and you do you know him to be mighty and you can do exploits so we want to remember that there's a balance to all this that 
it takes also renewing our mind. We have to realize that, yes, we perceive through our spirit, through our knower. Well, if you want to know where your knower is, I wrote on it, I wrote, finding the seat of discernment. I think it's over on Organic Leader or Perceiver, Madness.org or both. So your seat of your knower, that means where do you start to perceive God? Where do you start to learn? And that's when you close your eyes, your mind, will, and emotions, that, and your spirit, unless they're hard, unless they're tough, unless they're, you know, something's wrong. So you do your best, but it takes renewing your mind, and there are challenges. You want to go to the Bible, get your online Bible out, pick a topic, get your faith renewed, build your faith, and renew your mind, because our mind has been saturated picture you know one of these old I hate to use this movie but I will alright there's this old horror movie and you see these brains sitting in this formaldehyde and the old black and white movies years ago or I have I don't watch them now so therefore I have to use the old ones as my example because when I <laughs> was a little kid I did watch some but um you see the old Frankenstein movie, the old movie, and the brains are sitting in the puddle of, you know, in the bottle up on the shelf for formaldehyde. Well, that's the illustration of this world. All of us have been pickled by media. We're all being pickled from every side by internet, by pressures from within, the torment of fear, anxiety, the world situation, knowing we're on the atomic clock has just been moved forward two more minutes and that Jesus Christ is coming soon. There are all sorts of things out there. Some are glad, hallelujahs. Others are apply pressure. But our mind, left to itself, has been pickled and stewing in worry, in work, in the formaldehyde of this age, which preserves it, but is really pickling it and leaving it not able to hear God, not able to hear Him deep down. And we need to know which is the way walk ye in it. What is truth? from the Lord and what is a lie and that's what we're talking on this topic getting it primed up and stirred up so that you can ponder it and pray about it really go to the Lord and read your Bible about it make your choices it's a Selah presented out of love God's love for you all right so we go to another scripture what that Jesus Christ said right it said because we got to discern you know Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14.10 that there are many voices in this world and each one has significance. So you have to know which one is the voice of the Good Shepherd that gives life for his sheep, Jesus Christ, a.k.a. the Messiah. You have to know, but not by my words, not by everybody's evil report or good report, not by the TV tube or your nightmare or your Aunt Jane. You go by your spirit. You go by your knower balanced by God's holy book, the Bible. And see, here's going to tell you how to tell another, another Bible clue of how you can really discern in your spirit by the peace of God that you've hit it, that you've really hit it, the way. You know, the Bible said, I am the way, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. However, right these days, people are just scared of getting off. They're scared of that verse. So we're going to put it out in a law. I'm not going to be dogmatic. I'm not autocratic. I'm not bossing you around trying to pump religion on you. I'm giving you law, just in case that you're, so you will perceive it and you'll know it by the fruit of your spirit. What happens when you hear it down deep in your spirit, past your brain, past your logic, past your predispositions, past your bias, past your fear, 
and preconceived notions, and then even if a, it's a female saying it or a born-again person, if you don't like them, you know, this is all part of 101. We need to make sure that we're training this, that the devil, the enemy, is such a liar. He's wanting to confuse people right and left and make certain Bible words bad red flag words, like prophet, apostle, senior pastor, born again, all these things. So we have to just look at this and say, well, I'm not going to be biased. I've never been biased. Let me be honest. I have never been biased toward a homosexual. I have never been biased toward a black person or a, a tan-skinned person. I have never been biased to somebody who has no money or money more than me. I have never, and it's been God's mercy, and it's been God's good training. I had good parents who were like that before me. I've had board members and good friends. I still have board members that are African-American. And I've ministered in churches, stayed in their houses. I have not had to fight that. All right? I've had a fear, if anything, of displeasing authority. I've had a fear of not being perfect. I, and nobody's going to ever be perfect. And I had a fear of overstepping my boundaries and saying things that would be too plain, especially as a female. And you know what? God has taken that out of me. He's delivered me from me. And if I upset anybody, we're not trying to. But you know what? We're not meaning to. But if you do, that's just tough. We love you. But we're not going to be moved by what we hear, think, feel, or anybody else's diatribe. But we will walk in love. And we won't use hate speech. I don't use violence. I come out against it. I teach real respect for all kinds of people, even if they never want to choose Jesus Christ, that's your choice. I won't be autocratic or dominating because I know I've had it done to me and I hated it and I won't do it to you because I respect you. I respect you as a leader. I respect you as a mother. I respect you as a father. I expect you as a parent. I respect you, but I also want to say the ball is in your court and the ball is in your court to hear, make your decision, because only you will be there on the final day. And the ball from other people is put in my court, and the ball is, of decision is in my court, and I have to make those choices because I'm going to be all alone before the Lord on the final day. So i got to hear it right, and I'm just telling you what some of the process has been for me to evaluating what I'm really discerning, what I really you know, why I get, why I know the fear of the Lord and why I fear God, but I don't fear Daddy God. I fear, you know what, I have a holy fear, reverential fear of His power, a respect for God. I honor Him, but I honor all kinds of people. And so it really bugs me. I'll be honest, can I put the P.S.? It bugs me when I say, I go to somebody uh, that I meet in grassroots and I say, I'm born again or something like that, real casually, low key never trying to convert them on the spot, you know, put a notch in my belt. I don't think like that. But I'll find people who are not Christians, certain ones, not all, will have a real bigotry rise up and toward me. Not because I'm a female, usually born again, you know, that doesn't happen usually. But the point is in the non-believer. But I'm thinking that, wow, I'm not being disrespectful. I am not being prejudiced one bit. I am own, letting them be 100% who they are true, but it bugs me when they think I'm about to be uh, biased toward them because they have a bone of contention with the Christian community. It bugs me, but I forgive them. But I don't have it with them, so that's their choice. 
See, this is it. You have to have a 100% forgiveness policy toward yourself, toward everybody else. But then you think, well, you know what? You are human, and you can stand up. We can stand up and say, we like you, but we don't like to be disrespected. And I try not to disrespect anybody, and I would like to have it back as well at certain times. And there are other people, you know, this is not an everyday thing, but... We're, we're putting some vocabulary on what people are thinking out here in grassroots. I know these people are thinking, certain people think this a lot, but nobody that I am aware of has speaking this because I don't know if they're too scared. Or if you're a shepherd and surrounded by bodyguards and, out, you know, haven't been out in the pews for the last eight years, then you don't know what's going on, the shift that's taken place, the shifting that is going on right now. And it's because of doctrine, errant doctrine. All right. One of the things I found in born-again Christian people groups is this ability to think, you know what, they're offended. Now I don't have to listen to them. Oh, they're hurt. They have unforgiveness baggage. And that's what made me teach on it because I think some people are so dull and undiscerning they have no clue that there are people who are really finding out things that are not in the Bible and they're talking and contending for the faith but those people are twisting it or their ears are so, so dull they think it is criticism. Therefore we have to put some scripture on that and say, well, Jesus Christ, yes, he was sweet baby Jesus, meek and mild, turn the other cheek, go the other mile. But he rose up when he grew up, and he stood up, and he walked into the temple big religious system and kicked over a few money temple changers. And sure enough, somebody must have said to him, I could just picture if he lived today, somebody would say, but now you've ruined your mother Mary's sainted reputation. They'd say that to Jesus. Or they'd say, the temple Pharisee leaders would say, you know that Jesus, he's just one of those rabble rousers. He's got a bone to pick. He's contentious. He's out of rebellion. He's in rebellion to the to all of us, and he is disrespectful because he has unforgiveness baggage. We don't want to go there. We don't want to be so dull of dis discerning. All right, let's get back on track. Matthew eleven twenty nine twenty twenty nine thirty says, and this is Jesus Christ about perceiving. How are you going to know it's really God? How are you going to know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except by him? Here's another clue, a piece of the puzzle. Matthew 11, 29, 30 says, Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's pick that apart. So it says, there's some things you have to do, I have to do. Take my yoke upon you. That means first receive me, trust me, learn of me, it says. Don't just sit there and think you're going to get it by osmosis or everybody else is going to know it and you don't have to or you're going to sponge off their information. You take my yoke upon you. You learn of me for, and here's the difference between hate speech, Here's the difference between Christ following and figurehead Christ following, which is in our nation. Here's the representation of Jesus Christ in James 3.17 form. It says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I'm not superior. I'm not egotistical. I'm not going to hit you on the head with my Bible or Torah to get you to believe and force you to convert into what I believe. See, he wasn't like that. Where does this come from? Doctrine. 
if we look at James 3.17, for friends you want to have in ministry, how you want to behave in life toward other people, how you want people to expect if they disagree with your doctrine, if they don't think you're all right, whether they call themselves religious right, whether they call themselves liberal left, we don't really care. It's about the fruit that you wear. James 3.17. James 3.17 says, and this will help you witness to who's really in the Lord, from the Lord God, the one who's meek and lowly in heart, where you're going to find rest for your souls, not harassment, not hate speech, not bigotry, not bones of contention, not having to prove that they know it all or all right. It says in James 3.17 that the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And to the best of my ability, I'm trying every day to walk this out, James 3.17, on and off the camera. So the wisdom that speaks into your life, the wisdom that gives you advice, the dream in the night, the friends you keep, the circle of pastors and leaders, the circle of friends and family social network that you want are going to end up, after a long time, day in and day out, you're going to want to find the James 317 clientele circle of friends and family board members, whatever. And you want to be that way, that's most of all. So Jesus said, take the yoke, my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Meek and lowly would fall under the category of James 317, basically. The wisdom that comes from above is pure, no secret hidden motives, no political agenda, no false agenda, <clears throat> no money-making agenda, no manipulative agenda. The wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure than peaceable, won't be argumentative, won't be striving, won't have to pull, say that I am right and you're wrong just to feel better about itself. The wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceful, easily entreated, won't f get into fisticuffs and arguments and hate speech just to prove itself right. Alright? The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceful, easily entreated, full of mercy. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind. We are to be ye kind to one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. Alright? The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit. What are the fruits? The fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, that Paul writes about goodness, joy, temperance, peace, meekness, long-suffering, okay, against which there is no law, it says. The wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy, and good fruits without partiality. It will not disrespect people. It will not play favorites. It will not be bigoted, biased. It will not have disrespect for any kind of persons, whether they're in Christ or not. All right? The wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. It won't be two-faced, double-minded, double-tongued, backbiting, fault-finding. Wow! That's amazing. So when Jesus Christ said about himself, when you're discerning real wisdom from any other human, from yourself, what comes out of their mouth, your mouth, your ideas... Is it God or not? You're going to say it's going to have some fruit. You're going to mark it by its fruit. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon on you, he says. Learn of me, for, my, for I am meek and lowly. Meek does not mean weak, but meek does not mean hate speech. All right? 
We need to teach that now. You need to teach this now, right now, because it is the opposite because of media. People think you are like that. You and I are. Teach the young people. And also the people who have been through prejudice and are oppressed, they know it. If you are disrespectful and you are finding uh, favorites or you're with people who have been in the black race in ministry, a few people have, uh, oppressed or people have been bullied in their history, whether a young person or any kind of race or nation, they will have a heightened perceptive awareness. They will know it in their spirit because they're perceivers that they are being targeted, that they are being treated with disrespect, that they're being called names, or that they're being avoided because they're not dumb. These people are very intelligent and mature, but they've racially, nationally, positionally, genderly gone through it so they're sensitive and maybe their mamas and daddies did it to them but you know what they're sensitive and that's why I know this to tell you you love them and you don't have to be of them some of these people but you love them because they're humans made in God's image that's real respect for every office of the human every human being made in God's image according to Psalm 139 it says that Jesus said I am meek and lowly and you shall find rest for your souls. You know, when Jesus was meek and lowly, how could he rise up and toss over the temple money changers and the big religious system? Well, he said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. He had zeal for his father's house, but he didn't use knives. He wouldn't use violence. He wouldn't use weaponry. He didn't use demeaning language, cussing at them. He didn't get the disciples to hold placards outside and scream names at the priests as they went in. Selah. And here's the fruit of Matthew of Jesus Christ in Matthew 11:29:30 it says and you shall find because you've learned of me because you've taken my yoke upon you not the world's yoke not your yoke for for because you now know me that my fruit to look for is that I'm meek and lowly it says and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so the, here's the test real wisdom godly wisdom Christian with Christ following wisdom will have the fruit of peace you're gonna find yourself you have searched high and low you have researched every kind of cult every kind of religion every kind of, of national doctrine you've listened to every YouTube channel every person who's a speaker you have tried to hear God and you think you got him and then it you know because something was missing Here's the secret of what you'll you'll have to find. Wherever it is, whatever your choice, it will have to have rest in your soul. You will know it by the peace that passes all understanding that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You will know it by the rest in your soul. What is your soul? It says you will find rest in your souls. What is your soul? In your mind, your will, in your emotions. In Christ Jesus so just talk to him let's just talk to him now father God I need you in my heart Jesus Christ come in I repent from any type of meanness or things I I you know, didn't know where I was sinning Lord forgive me Lord I forgive everybody I've forgiven my mama I've forgiven everybody I forget would you forgive me and I take your take you at your word that you are my Savior you'll live in my heart and your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness and you're going to give me the fruit of the Spirit and the power of God. And you're going to let me know who you are. And I'm going to have a relationship with you. 
Isn't that wonderful? And Lord, I need more wisdom. I need your protection. I need more understanding. I need the truth to set me free. Lord, help me. Guide me to the right place of fellowship. Guide me to the right place of pastoring or parenting, whatever it is needed. Guide me to the right passages of Scripture when I search online or search in my Bible so that I will know that it's really you confirming all this. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we didn't get to all of our topic. Let's see if there's anything else. Oh, yeah, years ago when I, in 88, 87, the Lord had me for a season get every scripture that had wisdom in it without the commentary just go through the bible get all the scriptures that had wisdom about wisdom about revelation and meditate on them that means pray them put my faith into them look at them analyze them ponder them and for a year i did that over a year and nothing happened <laughs> except i started to get these ideas i started to get a wisdom i started to get this ability to perceive and discern quietly, slowly, no bells and whistles, nobody really knowing about it except the Lord and me, but I would know more about when the Lord was there. And I would know that I would start to get more ideas about teaching and about revelation. And I would knew that I would get more perceiver about how to pray for people, how to pray protection for leaders, which was my first call, that Bible teaching, Bible study. And then later, he would give me more and more scriptures as I studied and took time and the process and eventually went on radio and television, different things back then, and was around the area in prayer circles and having my own newsletter for 15 years, ministry years. But then I learned more about the wisdom of God. And this is it. Let me just go through briefly. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. That's James 1.5. It says, God is a revealer of secrets, Daniel 2.28. But when I was 17, this started when I was timid and shy in a closet of self. I was a achiever. I was born again, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit as the revealer or know about how to make sense of life or my calling in life. And so I went home one day after school, and there was this pastor in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And he was, I think it was Dick Eastman was his name, I believe. And he had a big church. I'd been there before visiting. And so as I... He, he shared his testimony and he said that he had experimented years ago by calling out to the Lord literally for God in Jeremiah 33 3 to call him he said call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not of so he literally did that and when I was 17 I was bold and adventurous inside but sort of very timid outside but nobody was around so I literally called to the Lord and I said Lord show me great and mighty things you know not of and see, God has used the television minister, the television preacher, time after time in unusual ways, just like this. That's why I'm for that. I'm for them. But I'm not. But then what happens is after the message is preached out into the airwaves, it gets spun around and mixed in with legalism or, or people that are ignorant or people that are biased or whatever in certain quarters, not all. So we're for television ministry, exalted pulpit, you know, people that have to get on, have renown, nothing wrong with that, because he's used it in so many people's lives, including mine. So we're thankful for that. We want to rejoice in that. Well, when, um, after that, I did, after I called out to the Lord when nobody was at home, I noticed later, about two weeks later, I started to notice things and perceive life in a different way, a better way. I could think about God in a newer, fresher way. 
yet nothing happened. I didn't speak with tongues. I didn't know about anything with the Holy Spirit. There was no worship back then, like there is now. And I went on my way, went to college, and I had learned from my parents and grandparents just to be led of the Lord daily. So I went to the college, and I was like a Jesus person, and I didn't like religion. I dressed in my blue jeans, and I had my really long hair down to my waist, and I didn't want to get off. You know, I didn't do drugs or anything because I just didn't want to because I'd gotten filled with the Holy Spirit without tongues. I'd gotten filled, and I was high. I went One day I went on a walk. I'd been sitting with the Lord. I loved being by the, with the Lord. I was by the, a lake near the college, and all of a sudden I felt this spirit of joy, just joy, hit me. And I took a walk through the neighborhood nearby, and all of a sudden it hit me. I started running and leaping like with this joy because it was this most fulfilling joy. And I never, I mean, it's God's mercy, but I never felt a need for anything else, any fault, any synthetic. I had the or the real deal, and I enjoyed it so much that I would. It was the hippie movement, you know, back then, and people that were on drugs. Certain ones would say, they'd say, "Man, you look high." I said, "I am high. I'm high on Jesus Christ because I was. It was a joyful thing, and I know the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I know, you know, about the Holy Spirit. Back then, I just knew God. It was like so fun, so amazing." And he would answer my prayers, so I thought, you know, here's my experiment, here's my testimony. I thought, I'm going to see what happens. When I was 18, I thought, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be. I didn't know a clue about a lot of things I know now. But I thought, I'm going to do is just want to be pleasing to you, Lord. I want to be faithful, your servant, and I'm just going to want to walk with you and let you guide me and guard me every day 24 7 365 and i'm not going to have to know what's going to happen i'm just going to want you to i'm going to put an experiment out and see what happens and that's all i've done it wasn't until 30 years later 25 years later that i found a scripture for that and it was being like the ezekiel wheel vision being led by the lord one day this way, having your game plan in life, God reveals along the way, and you're like an Enoch. It's like an Enoch thing. And back then there were few, I didn't know many people like that, down deep. And I didn't call it that because I didn't think like that. You know, I didn't have that eloquent, eloquent, you know, scripture, oh yes, an Ezekiel wheel or Enoch thing. You know, so <laughs> it was just like, I'm following you, Lord. That's, I just want to do it. So I have, and then later on, year, through the years, starting in the late 70s, or in the, excuse me, in the 80s, I noticed a lot of people, I'm starting to meet people like this everywhere, but they're not famous, they're unsung, they're grassroots. And then we had all the media and everything, influence and doctrinal, cultural warfare, and the different doctrines came in, which sort of, in some ways were, are good, and in some ways are not, they were more materialistic or... Uh, Levitical patriarchism or elevated pulpits of, and matriarchism or, or the elevated pulpits of Roman patricianism, the big eye little you of celebrity and things like that that have hampered and hindered Christ's call in my opinion. And the accuser starting in the 80s with how people disrespected uh, the media and our culture, how nobody stood up in Christ's body, no male or female, because when the media scandals happened with Jim Baker and uh, Jimmy Swaggart, I was out there teaching at that time, and I saw the effect in my family and friends and our nation, and the accuser came right on the scene following that, and such a conflict about 
you know, name calling, but I never heard anybody rise up and say, don't dare accuse anybody. Let's forgive them. Now that has happened in certain places. So I think the accuser came in and then the mixture of politics. If I look back and I'm writing on this now, I'm going to write more on it, but I thought, you know, I look back before politics, before religious right, before moral majority. I was never involved in that. I didn't feel a call. Uh, but I felt just led to keep on keeping it bipartisan, you know, nonpartisan politics, and that's how I do it today because I felt like people are going to be confused about who's the real Jesus. That does it mean when you ask Jesus into your heart that now you have to be a Tea Party member, that now you can't be who you want to be, who got you know you in your heart feel at the time. Do you have to be a Republican just because you ask Jesus into your heart? Is he white? Do he have blue eyes? So we're coming out and saying no. You just be who God says. You get to know and love the Savior. Get to know Him. Fellowship with Him. Get His wisdom. Get drunk on the Spirit. Whatever you want to do about that. But don't get into the politics unless God leads you. And we're not saying, when I say that, I have to be so careful. People will take it and run. I'm saying, do, we do want to vote. We do want to pray for the political process. You do want to run for the political process if God calls you to do so. It takes a certain skill. Ours is to pray. So, the picture of this scene you have today out in the field of blue. The blue is symbol of the divine, God's will, his way, who he is. But it's a symbol that you are just one of many, many, many people are seeking God's true calling, their true, you know, his true nature, what they're supposed to do with themselves, their identity, their real identity, their DNA from the Lord and we want to help you. I want to pray for you. Let us know how we can pray for your vision. If you're a pastor or a leader or a mother or a suffering servant or any color, let us know what we can do to pray for you. We're going to have our sweet hour prayer. We have other people. We believe in miracles, but we also believe in the process. Joy in the journey. Godliness is with contentment is great gain and all that. And I'm going to close now because of timing, but I probably will keep on going because we haven't even gotten through all the different kinds of wisdom in the Bible that may be shorter than this one but we're going to close for now but God is so good his mercy endures if you want to look at a great Bible verse for ministry which contains in my opinion every type of thing a real minister a fivefold office would endure sometime or another in the process then go for Psalm 118 we're about to have our ministry untamed university for worship birthing organic worship and then we're about to have teammate university where we give put forth doctrines of a new day to get out of some of this a lot of this religious legalism but to say let's give a let's look for the organic Let's look for the diverse. Let's look for a way to repackage maybe fellowshipping with the saints. Let's for look for sent ministry. Everyone is sent messenger without the capital A apostle, without the capital P, but servant leadership in an Ezekiel wheel, chapter one, divine appointment ministry fashion. So we're going to close for now. This is Dr. Tavodiazzi. Also, we would like prayer. We're trying to uh, if you, if we're looking for God to send us musicians, real musicians, two musicians for the house ministry, you know, just to have it, uh, do some worship with them. I'll be on the piano from time to time, but we really, I would like find musicians who, no matter where you are, you go on creativewisdomministries.org, creativewisdomministries.org, and they're my songs, leader words from the Lord with demos, 
words and lead sheets for many of them. And we want people who will just do those, perform those, and minister to the Lord through those, making a YouTube video. And then you send the link after it's done to organicleader at yahoo.com. And if they're anointed, if they're well done, we will put a few up there. You feel free to keep all the money, any royalty you get from the um, YouTube advertisement on there. We're not after that. However, do we ask you to put my name, composed by, and whatever it says on there to give the identity of the song, the composer. We ask that has to be done. If you do record them, and you can adapt these as the Lord allows, uh, one that is adapted that's already been done like this is the Eagles Rock. It's under Eagles Rock or The Eagles Rock on there. And you can see Brian Henson has done a great job with the Eagles Rock, and then I did my version. But we want to say, if you do record them, of course you want to report them to BMI, because they're listed with BMI and CCLI, songwriter. So do that. But we're looking for that. And then just get the word out. Get these words out in the atmosphere. Get the word out of the Lord. And we believe in the fear of the Lord, but we believe in uh, respecting all of their ministries, praying for them, sending people to them, because not everybody is meant to come our way we're not sent to everybody but we know that that we only want to be like jesus jesus i think he said i want to find that verse to prove it but i heard it, it sounds great to me it's i thought i heard somebody preach on it once it said jesus christ said i've been faith father i've been faithful to those you've sent me well we want to be only sent the right people and then people who are not sent will send other places so that's why we love knowing the body of christ males and females black and white, Greek or Jew or Scythian background, bond or free. Closing for now, and our online virtual offering plate for the ministry is up on PayPal, and you can see that on the, on the um, website, somewhere on the website on the front, if the Lord leads, as the Lord allows. And we thank you, and God bless you. This is Dr. T signing off for now. Bye-bye.